Welcome to the Bethany Community Church Sermon Podcast. Today's message is titled, Open to the Spirit's Joy, and it is part of the Open to the Spirit Sermon Series. This ministry is intended to inspire you and help bring solutions to the challenges of life. For more information about other ministries here at Bethany Community Church, check us out at our website at bccma.org, or you can send us an email at office at bccma.org. And now, here's Pastor Phil McCutcheon. All right, uh, let's uh, get ready to talk about the Holy Spirit. What a great subject, huh? We're going to read, I'm going to read a passage of scripture that's going to introduce the series, and then I'm going to read two short passages to introduce today's message. Today's message is open to the spirit joy, but the series is called Open to the Spirit. And so I want to tell you more about the Holy Spirit so you can know whether you want to open up your life to him, and some of you already have, but... I have to keep being reminded to open myself to the Spirit because something about my natural being is I close off to the Spirit's work in my life. And I have to keep being reminded to open, become open to the Spirit. I go back to being controlling and wanting to control everything and, and everybody and worrying about things and, and uh, looking to this world and the things of this world to bring me peace and happiness and joy. And so I have to keep being reminded to go be open to the Spirit. So we're going to read John chapter 14, verse 16. And I will ask the Father, Jesus is saying, and he will give you another helper that he may be with you forever. That is the spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it does not behold him or know him. But you know him because he abides with you and will be in you. I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. After a little while, the world will behold me no more, but you will behold me because I live, you shall live also. In that day, you will know that I am in the Father, and you in me, and I in you. He who has my commandments and keeps them, it is he who loves me. And he who loves me shall be loved by my Father, and I will love him and will disclose myself to him. Now, you get to verse 22, and you find out really what would eventually cause Judas to betray Jesus. Because G- Judas didn't like this plan that the Lord was going to leave and send the Holy Spirit. He wanted the Lord to stay, build the kingdom right away. Right away he wanted the kingdom to happen, that he, he was going to be a part of the leadership of this new kingdom and this, and this new Messiah. And when the Lord says, there's going to be this delay, I'm going to go away, And I'm not going to stick around. And the thing I'm going to do is going to be primarily spiritual rather than than overtly, initially, political. So Judas Iscariot said to him, Lord, what then has happened that you are going to disclose yourself to us and not to the world? Jesus answered and said to him, if anyone loves me, he will keep my word and my father will love him. And we will come to him and make our abode with him. He who does not love me does not keep my words, and the word which you hear is not mine, but the Father who sent me. He was really, really, he was really, really slapping Judas on the wrist right there. He was really saying, Judas, you don't really love me. You love the idea of being the head of a kingdom. 
you like the idea of building a kingdom built around, and you're going to be on the inner circle of that new kingdom that's going to overthrow the Roman Empire and the oppressive religious Judaic system that has risen up. But you don't really love me. You're not interested in, in having the Holy Spirit. You're not interested in having my spirit inside of you, but you're interested in something totally material, only material, only political. These things have I spoken to you while abiding with you, but the Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to, bring to your remembrance. Peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you, not as the world gives do I give to you. Let not your heart be troubled, nor let it be fearful. So, uh, let me tell you a little bit about my childhood uh, relationship and experience with the Holy Spirit. As I've talked about before, I was raised in a, uh, what you may, you may not even be familiar with what a Pentecostal church is like, but I was raised in a Pentecostal church where the, the subject of the Holy Spirit was talked about a lot. It was a major part of our, of our theology was the Holy Spirit, and prayer was very important, and I appreciate a lot of things about my upbringing. One of the things, and, and we're going to touch on this later. I'm not going to get into it today. Uh, you, you might have heard uh, that there are people who speak in other tongues, who pray, who, get a, who, who use a prayer language when they talk to God, speaking words that they do not understand, but they believe God understands. Well, we were taught very strongly that you would know you received the Holy Spirit, that you, 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 you accepted Christ, and then you were baptized in water. And then you were baptized in the Spirit. Now, I'm going to be talking about that in future sermons, about the baptism in the Holy Spirit. I'm not going to get into it a lot today. But we were taught that you were uh, to seek this experience that you, can, you could read about it if you want to go in your Bibles this week. I hope you will do some research with me on the Holy Spirit because there's a ton about the Holy Spirit in Scripture. And um, we were taught uh, that what happened in Acts chapter 2 Something similar was to happen to us in that when you receive the Holy Spirit, you would pray, you would receive a prayer language. You would, you would pray to God with words you did not understand. So I remember when I was about 11 years old, I began to seek the Holy Spirit. I began to seek the Holy Spirit as separate from Jesus, and I began to seek this experience called the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And... Um, that was a really, really awesome time in my life because I remember we went to a church called Shady Grove Assembly of God, Irving, Texas, not too far from Texas, what is now, what used to be Texas Stadium, I forget the new name, but where the Cowboys play and my dad ran a restaurant down there. And, and I, 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 remember, I remember that church really well because the pastor's name was Not Half, Brother Not Half. And I don't remember anything about anything he ever said, which makes me feel really ashamed because I wonder if people, and, and worried because I wonder if people remember anything I say. I only remember he would hold his ear and say, beloved. Oh, beloved. He would, he would have the trembling voice and, oh, beloved. I, that's, I have that image of Brother Nothaf. But that was a time when I was seeking the Holy Spirit, so I couldn't wait till he was done preaching, so I could go down front. You know how we have response time here? Well, we really had response time. We went down, and we knelt, and we laid on the carpet. Some of, I would lay on the carpet when I'm 11 years old. 
asking God for the Holy Spirit. And I had these tremendous nights of prayer. It would last 30, 40 minutes, maybe even an hour, praying and, and, and praising God to the point that I, I could hardly speak in English. We're just weeping and praying. And I'm glad that they taught me that theology because that theology kept me seeking God until that day when I felt like I broke through to that. But I, I, well, in retrospect, the breakthrough wasn't as important as the process. The process of getting to know who the Holy Spirit was. That there was something more. There was something more than just getting saved and getting baptized in water. That there was a... And, and, and when you, when, now that I'm talking about it, if, if you're reading your Bibles, you're going to see it's everywhere all over in the Scripture, even in the Old Testament. You're going to see types and what we call types and shadows and archetypes of the Holy Spirit all over the Old Testament, all over the New Testament. You're going to wonder, why didn't we talk about the Holy Spirit a long time ago? When you see how prominent the subject of the Holy Spirit is. Now, I think one of the reasons... Uh, I haven't talked about the Holy Spirit as much as I should. It's, it, here's one word, weirdos. Because there's this fear that if you talk about the Spirit too much, you will attract weirdos to your church. And I recently heard Robert Morris say something that really helped me. Because I said, yes, that's true. He said, people are not weird because they get the Holy Spirit. He said, the people that are weird with the Holy Spirit were weird anyway. <laughs> he said, even if they were coin collectors, they would be weird. So yes, there are going to be some people that are going to do some weird stuff and blame it on the Holy Spirit. Yes, absolutely, they will. But those same people, according to Robert Morris, and I believe it's true, they're going to be weird about everything in their life, right? So, so, so no, I, I want to just assure you today that the genuine relationship with the Holy Spirit, if you're not already weird, it won't make you weird. <laughs> if you're already weird, it's, um, you're stuck. <laughs> but it won't make you weird. It won't, make, it won't make you do things that you don't want to do. Uh, he, he, the Holy Spirit's a perfect gentleman. He's pictured as a dove in the scripture. He doesn't force you to do things you don't want to do. He won't, he won't force you to go into a trance or to go off speaking in tongues when you don't want to. He won't do that. Uh, he's, he, he's good. Now, let, let's today, I, the, for the first message, I want to talk about being open to the Spirit's joy. Because instead of making you weird, the Holy Spirit will make you joyful. The Holy Spirit will make you, if we, to use the word that we're more commonly used, the Holy Spirit can make you happy. The Bible says in Luke chapter 10 verse 21, at that time Jesus full of joy through the Holy Spirit said, notice that, boy that grabbed me when I read that a few days ago. Jesus full of joy through the Holy Spirit. I'm thinking, man, if Jesus needed the Holy Spirit to have joy, how much more do I? 
Jesus, full of joy through the Holy Spirit, said, I praise you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, because you have hidden these things from the wise and learned and revealed them to little children. Yes, Father, for this was your good pleasure. Now he's talking about the disciples had just discovered that they had the power to cast out demons, and that's what he's talking about. But it was the Holy Spirit that gave Jesus that, 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 that tapped Jesus on the shoulder and said, hey, your disciples get it. It was the Holy Spirit that gave Jesus some information that made Jesus happy. So I think hopefully I can make the case that it might benefit you to have a relationship with a being, a person, a personality, a presence that would occasionally whisper something in your ear that would make you happy, that would make you happier. It would make you less anxious. That's what we're talking about. And you know the amazing thing, and I, I can already feel it here this morning. This has happened every time. I, I always think of Al Landry when I think of, the, 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 uh, of studying the Holy Spirit. Because Al was when, uh, one of the first com- small groups he came to at my house. Uh, Al's not able to come to church now because his lungs are in such bad shape. And so, uh, but, but one of our, 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 the Sutton community group has actually split up their group. So part of their group goes to Al's house every week, and I'm so proud of them for that and happy with them for that. And uh, uh, Al's family's come in and prayed, and I went over the day and had communion with several of them. And, and so it's just great what the, the ministry that the community group has done to Al. But Al loved the subject of the Holy Spirit. He loved that subject. And, and one thing I always found, and two times we studied, studied the Holy Spirit. Now, Scott, you led it one time. I led it before and it was, like, it was like we were talking about something that everybody in the room already knew all about. Everybody was already totally familiar. And I got a feeling, I feel that right now, that as I talk about the Holy Spirit, everybody goes, yeah, yeah, I'm aware. I'm aware there's this presence. I'm aware there's this voice. I'm aware there's this personality. I'm aware of something supernatural that whispers in my ear sometimes, that gives me, gives me an urge, that gives me a desire, a, a holy desire. That, that, that encourages me, that gives me information that I wouldn't have any other way. And, and I want to introduce you to that person in this series. I want to introduce you to the Holy Spirit because he's, he's real. I said he's real, and you know it, right? Now let's jump over to Romans chapter 14, verse 17. For the kingdom of God is not a matter of eating and drinking. In other words, it's not, a, it's not a material kingdom, but of righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. Now, uh, so the opening, the benefit of being to a, open to a relationship with the Holy Spirit is not weirdness, but joy. And, and note with me in Luke 10, 21, that Jesus got his joy through the Holy Spirit. We've already tried to make that point. And that's such an outstanding concept. John Piper said it this way. Being filled with the Spirit means radiant joy. Because the Spirit who fills us is the Spirit of joy that flows between the God the Father and God the Son. Because they delight, they they because of the delight they have in each other. I want you to boy, I want you to get this quote. It's the Spirit of joy that exists between God the Father, God the Son, and the Holy Spirit that the Holy Spirit brings you in on. Therefore, to be filled with the Spirit means to be caught into the joy that flows among the Holy Trinity. And to love God the Father and God the Son with a very, with a very love with which they love each other. 
And then in answer to the second question, the way to be filled with the Spirit is by trusting that the God of hope really reigns, that not a sparrow falls to the ground apart from his will, and that he runs the world for you and for all who trust his word in believing that you will be filled, in believing that you will be filled with the Holy Spirit and with joy. Now, let's talk about the characteristics of the Spirit's joy. Understanding how the Spirit's joy differs and contrast from mere human happiness is critical. It's important. Uh, God has put us into a world that he allows us and privileges us to enjoy. We have so many human experiences that we're allowed to enjoy. It has nothing to do with the Holy Spirit. It's just joy. Uh, food. You, you, you don't eat just to survive. You eat because it's enjoyable. You, food. Uh, uh, coffee. Uh, absolutely. It's enjoyable. Uh, 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 marital intimacy. All these things. Uh, fa- family. Um, physical beauty. The beauty of nature. Entertainment. I believe entertainment is, is something God provides for us. God provides humor and, and laughter and things that, you know, it, it, isn't it interesting? You, a, a, little baby, a little baby has the concept of funny. Isn't that interesting? It always interests me that little babies come into our, our homes and they almost, almost as soon as they, very, very early on, they decide that some things are not funny and some things are funny. Has Annalise already discovered funny yet? She's already, how old is she? No sound yeah. It, so, so God has created us with joy sensors all over our bodies, our minds, our eyes. Some things pleasure our eyes. Some things pleasure our bodies. We have all these nerve endings. It's just amazing that God has designed us to enjoy music. What about music? I mean, music is one of the most enjoyable things in the world. God's designed us to enjoy music. And we heard beautiful music this morning. And the Bible says this in 1 Timothy 6, 17. Paul refers to the God who richly provides us everything for our enjoyment. So that's great. Part of growing as a mature person is you learn to enjoy life. But the Holy Spirit's joy isn't tethered to our physical world. Our Holy Spirit's joy isn't tethered to someone who amuses you or someone who provides a good meal for you. Or, 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 or whether or not there's marital intimacy, or whether or not you have something beautiful to look at, or whether or not you live in a beautiful home, or you live in a not-so-beautiful home. Uh, the joy of the Holy Spirit is not an, 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 anti those things. It's not antithetical to those things, but it's not tethered to those things. The joy of the Holy Spirit is what we call transcendent joy. The Spirit's joy is transcendent. Some of us don't know much about transcendent joy. We're like thermometers, constantly reflecting our surroundings. Jesus said, out of your belly shall flow rivers of living water. That's transcendent joy. A Spirit-filled life doesn't negate your need for happiness, but it gives your life a new center for joy located right in the center of your being. 1 Thessalonians 5, 1 says, verse 5 says, Because our gospel came to you not simply with words but also with power, with the Holy Spirit and with deep conviction. 
you know how we lived among you for your sake. You became imitators of us and of the Lord in spite of severe suffering. See, that, that suffering, that word is not a happy word. That word doesn't go with ha- human happiness. Some of you are here this morning and you, you're, not, you're not so happy because you're suffering. Something's going on in your life that's causing you to suffer. Suffering, it's distracting you. But notice what he said. You became imitators of us and the Lord, in spite of severe suffering, you welcomed the message with the joy given by the Holy Spirit. The Epicureans, who were people in Paul's day, believe that happiness comes from detachment. That the way to be happy is detach yourself from physical joy. Be detached from those things. Do those things as much as you want, but be detached. But the happiness that comes from the Holy Spirit doesn't come from either attachment, which most of us today, we have a problem with too much attachment. But the Holy Spirit's joy comes neither from detachment or engagement. It comes from completely giving your heart to the primary mover of the coming kingdom. Rockefeller, uh, back in the day, when he was first coming into power, sent his sons off to work in the oil fields with the roughest roughnecks, oil drillers, and oil workers because he wanted his sons to experience that. He wanted them to experience the grime and the dirt and the, and the labor and the sweat that would come from actually that, from that kind of physical labor in that kind of environment. And he wanted them to know that part of the business. So, so his sons went off to the oil fields and lived with the roughest, crudest people, people that, people that had never experienced the elegance, the wealth, and the prosperity that the Rockefeller boys lived in every day of their lives. They went to that place, and they went, I believe it was in, or I believe it was in Pennsylvania, we don't remember exactly where, but they went and they lived among the oil riggers, but they did not become like them. They did not become like those. They did not become uncouth and crude, and they did not live a, uh, they did not change their class because they knew they were getting regular uh, communication from dad. <laughs> they were getting money from dad. They knew that dad was going to send the private plane to pick them up in a few weeks or months and pick them up and take them back home where they would live in luxury again. They knew that was not their home. They knew that was not what they were consigned to. That was not where they were assigned. And that's an example of when you become a child of God. When you become a child of God, you are sent by God into a world that's so broken and so full of dysfunction and so full of pain and hardness and hard labor. And God sends you into this world to labor alongside everybody else, but you know who you are. You know you're a child of God, and you, by the power, by the miracle of the Holy Spirit, you're hearing from Dad every day. You're hearing from Dad in your ear every moment, right? And you know that that He's going to come get you and rescue you and you know this is not who you're, you, who, you're, who you're going to be because of that relationship. That's what's going on in your life today by the, by the Holy Spirit. 
kind of like a deep sea diver, dives into the depths of the ocean. They even have those when it's, they even have for deep, deep diving, they have those pressurized suits with a hose that goes up to the ship. And so they get down in the muck and they get down in the depths of the ocean and they look around and do whatever their work is, repair work or what they're called to do. But their source of oxygen is above the waterline. That's what a person's like who has a relationship with the Holy Spirit. You're, you live and work in environments that are almost intolerable, but you can tolerate it because your oxygen supply is from another world. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. The Spirit's joy is informed joy. Remember how Jesus experienced the Spirit's joy in Luke 20, 10, 21, after 72 of his disciples learned that demonic powers were subject to them. That informed connected with connection with Christ is what brings the Spirit joy. Remember what John Piper said about how being filled with the Spirit means radiant joy because the Spirit who fills us is the Spirit of joy that flows between God the Father and God the Son. It's not some mindless joy. It's, it's, it's based on reasonableness. But the reasonableness is the message that comes from God. See, the, the, the Bible calls the, the, the Word of God, the Bible, the sword of the Spirit. You know that? That Bible is called the sword of the Spirit. That's why if you want to have a relationship with the Holy Spirit, you've got to get in the book. You've got to start reading the Word. You start reading the Word, and you begin to have informed joy. The Bible says, and eight, here's one verse that, that most Christians learn some per, soon in their Christian walk. Romans 8.28 we know that God causes all things to work together for good to those who love him and are called according to his purpose. What does that do to your heart? Because some of the things that are happening to you are not good. But when you read the word of God, you're hearing a message from dad that says, I cause all things to work together for good because you love me and you're called according to my purpose but the next verse, verse 29, says, For whom he did foreknow, he did predestine that we might be conformed to the image of God's Son. That's information. <laughs> that's good information. And that's information that will bring you joy. That's transcendent joy. Because the person next to you going through the same thing will, have, will lose all their joy. And they will look at you. What's wrong with you? What's going on with you? You must know something. Yeah, that's right. You do know something. You know something that they probably don't know. And that's being communicated to you, not just by reading the physical words, but it's being communicated to your spirit by the Holy Spirit. And so that you know 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 that you know, and that's how that you know you know. <laughs> the Spirit's joy is supernatural and miraculous joy. On the day of Pentecost, we want to talk more about that, but there was that moment when the Holy Spirit visited them and arrived. And that, that was a historical fact. That, that whole event really happened, guys. You, you, it, if that had been a made-up story... Don't you think the critics of Scripture would have torn that story apart by now? They would have proved that that didn't really happen. 
But 120 disciples went to a place we call the upper room or Solomon's porch. They, they spilled out on Solomon's porch as the Holy Spirit came. And the Bible says that everyone there began to hear these people praising God in their own language. And there were, were people from, from, from all over, from Egypt and Syria and Turkey and different parts of Asia and uh, from Iraq and Iran, and these, they had different names, of course, in the Scripture, but that's where they were, and they all spoke different languages, and they had come, they had come to Jerusalem for Passover. Uh, uh, and uh, Passover, by the way, the word Pentecost, by the way, means 50. So uh, seven is a number of completion in Scripture. If you read the Scripture, anytime you see the number seven, it's a number that signifies completion. God, God created the world in six days. He rested on seventh. It's a number of completion. So seven times seven is 49. So it was, it was, it was, it was God showing that the work of, of, of eternal salvation and the establishment of the church was completed because on day 50... The Spirit of God arrived in full dimension and power. And they began to praise God and speak in languages that everybody understood. And the Bible says that the people that were watching from Solomon's porch that day, the Bible says that they said, we hear them declaring the wonders of God in our own tongues. Now, you can't declare the wonders of God in a flat, monotone, sad, depressed voice. You, the only way, the only possible way to declare the wonders of God is with joy, with excitement, with enthusiasm. So today, we stand in God's presence, not crazy people, not weird people, except for some of you. <laughs> and God loves you. God loves you, Jimmy. God loves you, brother. <laughs> he, he, said, he said thank you, so I, I'm not picking on Jimmy. Somebody's going to go, oh, you, you called Jimmy weird. I'm, I'm just pastor. You just blew it. No, I didn't. He called him. He said about himself. I tell you, this man has the best puns in the world. I mean, he, he asked me the other day, he said, you, you know how you get down from a, an elephant? I said, no. He said, you don't get down from an elephant, you get down from a duck. <laughs> Jimmy. <laughs> he, 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 he told me the other day, he said, see about the guy that was drinking brake, brake fluid? Said, he said, don't worry, I can stop any time. I don't know if that's a spiritual gift, Jimmy, but, uh, but keep it coming. <laughs> now, why would we resist? Because when, when we say we're doing a sermon series on being open to the Spirit, we must, it implies that we can be close to the Spirit. I've been close to the Spirit. You've been close to the Spirit. We, by nature, so, so if the Spirit brings us joy... Why would we be close to it? Well, there's a bunch of good reasons, and I'm going to kind of rattle them off for you quickly right now. Uh, entire church denominations have resisted the Holy Spirit. 
Remember, if Ephesians, when Paul got over to the Ephesian church, and they had accepted Christ at Ephesus, and Paul began to tell them about the Holy Spirit, and they said, we've not even heard whether there be a Holy Spirit. So whole churches can be closed to the Holy Spirit for various reasons. We can be closed to the Spirit's joy. First of all, unhappiness is a bad habit, and bad habits are hard to break. You know, pessimism, joylessness can be a habit. Bad habits are the ones we just naturally fall into. You know, I, I, I don't have any problems breaking good habits. I've noticed, have you noticed that, Pat? I just don't have any trouble breaking good habits. I, I, can, I can do the no sugar donut coffee, I mean, uh, 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 you know, high carb thing. And then I can fall off that wagon like that. I mean, I'm walking around the house and there's that thing of Oreo cookies for the grandkids, you know. And I'm walking around the house and I, I just got to have one and then five. That's easy, man. It's easy to stop good habits. It's, bad habits are hard to break, though. And we get in the habit of being down, and we get in the habit of being negative, and we get in the habit of being pessimistic, and we get, we get in the habit, and old bad habits, they resist change, including opening the Spirit. But the Bible says, don't quench the Holy Spirit in, 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 in 1 Thessalonians 5.19. Don't quench the Holy Spirit. So that old habit of being negative and surly and caustic and acerbic and sarcastic and harsh, you can quench the Holy Spirit's personality in your life because it's a habit. Another reason that we resist joy is unhappiness is the natural way we gain control in life. You know that? It, it, if, if, you need to, if you need to get someone on your team at work, if they're messing up and they're, they're sabotaging the success of the company with their, with their poor performance and, and you've exhausted all the positive emotional ways of motivating them, let me tell you something. You're going to have to use unhappiness in order to get them moving in the right direction. In fact, if you want to really be weird, go in and act happy when you read them the right act. Smile and laugh. Now, th that is really, really disturbing. No, you've got, to put on your, you've got to put on your long face. And, 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 and you've, got to, you, you've got, if you're not, now some of you don't have to do that. You just, it just, you have it already. <laughs> But some, some of us, we have, to, we, have to, we have to work ourselves up for a confrontation. You've got to use unhappiness. You've got to get somebody going. Uh, if, you need to bring, if you need to confront your boss, you don't go in. And, and the, the one, one, way to, one way not to get ahead on the job is to be too happy. In fact, they've proven that disagreeable people make more money than agreeable people. One of the ways not to get ahead in your company is to be too agreeable. Because let me tell you, if they think you're happy, they're going to leave you alone. They're not going to give you any more money if you're perfectly happy with what you're making. 
They're not going to give you better working conditions if you say, I'm really happy with these working conditions. Unhappiness is a powerful tool to get what you want in life. Every little baby learns it very quick. If I'm grumpy, whiny, crying, and screaming, these huge creatures come and help me and give me stuff. They even give me candy. They, they hold me and they walk around with me. So this unhappiness thing really works. So you see why we might not want to be happy. And the Holy Spirit says, I want you to stop controlling everybody. I want you to... St- uh, only control when it's strategic. Only, your unhappiness should become strategic. Like, like uh, I love this story in, in, the, in the Meaning of Marriage. Uh, Keller, who, who had promised his wife when they went and took, started the church in New York City, had promised her that he would balance, you know, he would come and spend some time with the family and do all that, but he wasn't. He was just staying at the office all the time and not coming home. And so one night he gets home really late, And as he opens the door, he hears dishes breaking. That's not a good thing when you're a husband and you come home and dishes are breaking. And and they had like a back deck, I think, the way he described it. And his wife is out there with a hammer. And she's got wedding dishes. And she's breaking them with a hammer. And he, what are you doing? Well, you don't care about our marriage. And she just, you, you just stay at the office all the time, blah, blah, blah. She just had a meltdown, and he, he apologized, and, and he, he humbled himself, and, and they worked it out, and then he said, but honey, you're, you're breaking our wedding dishes. She says, oh, I didn't, these are dishes that don't have any matches to them. <laughs> she had planned the whole thing. It, it was a strategic, but for some of you here this morning, your, your meltdowns aren't strategic. You just melt down all the time. Because you're not, mot- you're not controlled by the Holy Spirit. Because the Holy Spirit, when the Holy Spirit controls you, He will make you a happy person. You will put people at ease. They won't feel like they always have to dance for you. Because you're just going to be so happy. And like I said, you, you, you know how to strategically shut down the happiness and say, I'm gonna be, we're going to be serious right now, I'm going to tell you off, okay? Then you get happy again. Wouldn't that be a better way to live? than being chronically unhappy, chronically upset, because you have this habit of everybody, everybody dances when you're unhappy, everybody moves into action when you're unhappy, so you just stay unhappy all the time, so you keep everybody on pins and needles, and you make your entire life dysfunctional. You make your family dysfunctional, you make your work dysfunctional, you make your neighborhood dysfunctional, because you're grumpy. And you need deliverance. And the only way you're going to get deliverance is the power of the Holy Spirit. Amen? The Holy Spirit will deliver you, this is in my notes, from manipulative, pathological, and addictive habit of unhappiness. Would you like to be delivered from the manipulative, pathological, and addictive habit of unhappiness? I'm going to tell you the way it is say, give me the Holy Spirit. 
and it will change your life. Joy from the Holy Spirit. Here's another reason. And give me, give me five minutes. I'm a little behind schedule this morning. Give me five minutes. I want to finish. Joy from the Holy Spirit is not trending in society. So why are we talking about that? Because we are creatures. We're, we have a strong herd instinct. We like to do what, what the, the, the perception is everybody's doing. So society always has a list of popular trends for getting happy, getting better physical conditioning, whatever, the, uh, uh, the new diet. There's always the new diet. Right now, right now, everybody's doing keto, but four years from now, they will be doing something else. So that's the way it works. Well, you're never going to go on Twitter or Facebook or Instagram and find out that the joy in the Holy Spirit is trending. Everybody's doing it. They're talking about it on Fox and CNN. The, 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 their books, they're writing books about it and podcasts about it. All the psychologists are talking about it. They're, they're all saying the way to be happy is to receive the Holy Spirit. It will never happen. You are the only ones who are going to know. You are the only ones that are going to know that the path to joy is not all those different things that are always trending, but the path to joy is a secret. It's a secret. And the Bible says that he that dwelleth in the secret place of the Most High will abide under the shadow of the Almighty. I want you to know for you, hang on a minute before you give God praise, I want you to know that as God's people, God is letting you in on his secrets. I said as God's people, you can clap now. I'm serious. I'm serious. God is saying, come into my presence. I want to let you in on a secret that I'm not going to tell them at Harvard School of Psychology. I'm not going to tell them in Washington, D.C. I'm not going to talk about it at the United Nations, but I'm going to share a secret with my children, with my people that I love and that love me and the people that have yielded themselves to me and that have picked up this Bible and said this Bible is the book of truth. I'm going to share a secret of happiness and joy with them that everybody else is not going to know. Let me close with how to receive the Holy Spirit. I'm going to just kind of give you, I'll put that scripture up on the screen. I'm not going to read it. But it's about a guy named Simon the Sorcerer who had accepted Christ and started following the disciples around everywhere they went. He had been a sorcerer. He had been a fortune teller. But when he received Christ, he lost his ability to tell people's fortune. Because it was probably manipulation and lying anyway. He lost that ability to do that. But when he saw them laying hands on people and people receiving the Holy Spirit, he said, can I give you guys some money and you will give me the power to do that? And Simon Peter said to him these words, you have no part or share in this ministry because your heart is not right before God. Repent of this wickedness and pray to the Lord. Perhaps he will forgive you for, for having such a thought in your heart. For I see that you're full of bitterness and captive to sin. Unfortunately, the story gets cut off, so we don't really know what happened. But his wrong approach to obtaining the Spirit's power let us, lets us know the right approach. Number one, the Holy Spirit is not a product that you purchase. 
Number one, seek a better relationship with God. It's that simple. If you will say today, I want to have a better relationship with God, God's going to say, okay, I'm going to give you the Holy Spirit because that's how you have a better relationship with me. Secondly, renounce patterns of habitual sin and bondage. Many do not realize that you can accept Christ as your personal Savior and still have moral bondage that just dogs your every step. But the Spirit, the Spirit will not, I'm not going to get into theology about can you lose or not lose your salvation. That's a controversial thing. I'm not trying to talk about this morning. But I want you to know the Holy Spirit will withdraw His presence from you. When you, life, when you get into moral bondage, He will withdraw His presence from you. Uh, Robert Morris tells this story about going to speak at a conference. He, he and several guys had been invited to speak at this conference, and they were, were they called it a prophetic conference. And that what, I know a lot of you don't know what that means. That's okay. But that means where, where people pray with you. It's kind of like our prayer partners. They're here to pray with you. And imagine that they give you an encouraging word when you came down. I believe God is saying this to you. And so they give you this encouraging word. So that's what they were doing in this conference. So he, has, he goes, and like, it's like Friday night, had this great meeting, and he is just so excited because it's his birthday coming up Monday, and, and he always asks the Lord to give him something on his birthday, but it's something spiritual. And that year he had said, God, I want to hear your voice more clearly. So, so Pastor Morris was so excited because he had this meeting, and he just heard the voice of God really clearly that night. And he went back to his motel room, and he, he was so excited he couldn't sleep, so he starts flipping through the TV channels. And up comes a movie that a Christian shouldn't be watching. And he watched it anyway. Watched the whole movie. Shouldn't, it was a movie that he shouldn't have even been watching as a Christian. And of course, afterward, he felt so bad. And he went to prayer, and he said, God, forgive me. I, I know I shouldn't have watched that. And he felt that God, he felt the forgiveness of God. And, you know, that's what we believe, that God forgives you. But he goes the next day to this meeting where he's supposed to be ministering to other people. And it was terrible. He had nothing. He couldn't hear anything from God. The voice of the Holy Spirit had gone silent. Sunday morning, they show up for, this, show up for the meeting. And Pastor Morris shows up with all these other pastors that are supposed to speak, and they go into a side room, and the guy who's running the thing says, you know, we're not going to pray for people this morning. I feel that God has asked me to preach, so I'm going to preach a sermon this morning. So uh, Robert did not want him to know how relieved he was, that he wasn't going to have to pray for people and try to hear from God. And the speaker gets up, and he says, here's what the speaker said. He said, the Lord wants me to teach on the subject of iniquity. And I want to show you some things in the word regarding the bondages and strongholds that many of us, including many mature believers, have in their life. And he began to say that when the Holy Spirit warns us about something and we push him away, it's like stiff-arming God. It's like stiff-arming God. And he's going, ouch, boy, God must have for me. He said, now I want, I want everybody who has iniquity in their life the iniquity is the King James word used for Simon the sorcerer that I talked about a minute ago. I want you to come to the altar today. And he's thinking, first of all, I can't go to the altar. I'm a preacher. 
I'm the pastor who's been preaching. I can't go to the altar. And finally he said, well, he thought to himself, well, nobody will know why I'm going. They'll think I'm just going down there because I haven't been reading my Bible like I should. They'll think I'm going down there because I just haven't been praying like I should. And he no longer got the thought out of his brain that the guy speaking said, by the way, I'm not talking about sins like not praying or reading the Bible enough. I'm talking about having a dirty, defiling, shameful sin in your life that has become a stronghold. So he sucked it up. And he was the first one down to the altar. And he talked about how clean he felt and how he began to hear from God again. And the next morning, Monday morning, he woke up and he felt like the Holy Spirit said, Happy birthday. And he felt like, here's what, here's what he saw. God knew, because he, he, if you heard Pastor Morris, Pastor Morris had a very, um, he, he, he was very immoral before he became a Christian. He was very sexually immoral before he became a Christian. And so he had this stronghold that just hung, hung on to his life even after he became a Christian. And, even he, and so, so he, what he understood that Monday morning when he woke up on his birthday he understood that his prayer for his birthday was let me hear the Holy Spirit more clearly. And God spoke to him and said, now that we've gotten that stronghold out of your life, I wanted that to happen so you could clear this up and now you can hear the Holy Spirit more clearly. Amen? Give the Lord a hand. So this morning, number one, number one, seek a better relationship with God. Number two, renounce sinful, habitual sin. may not be sexual. Being manipulative and all of that can be just as bad as sexual sin. Finally, pray for the Holy Spirit to receive the Holy Spirit. Say, God, I want to receive. You don't have to say that that way, of course. You're not just asking to meet the Holy Spirit. You want the Spirit to come in and be a prominent authority in your life. Dr. Cho used to say, God wants the Holy Spirit to go from resident to president. As a Christian, you've received the Spirit. Yes, He's resident. But when you take the next step to have a relationship with the Spirit, then He becomes more prominent in your life. So, I want to bring this to a close this morning. I want to ask you to stand. Because of small group sign-ups, and uh, we're not going to have our normal response time this morning. Believe me, we will during this series. We're going to give you a chance to come forward and pray. And we've got the week of prayer coming. We're going to pray, and we're going to pray to receive the Holy Spirit. But I want to lead you in a prayer right where you stand, that you invite the Holy Spirit into your life. And let's just all, you know what, let's do a repeat after me thing. I'll pray, and you all pray it out loud. And that way we're all on the same page. And then the worship team's going to come and do a, a quick a song while you are dismissed and you go sign up for community groups. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for sending Jesus. Thank you for sending the Holy Spirit. Thank you for sending a friend who lives in my heart, who represents you, who represents heaven, who gives me joy. I need 
a better relationship with you. I renounce sinful habits. I renounce bondage. In Jesus' name, I ask to receive the person of the Holy Spirit. Thank you for it. In Jesus' name, let's give him praise. Hallelujah. Worship team. God bless you. Consider yourself dismissed whenever you want to go.